Greetings, and thank you for joining us for the eighth episode of DC Animation with Spencer and Friends. This is an LMG Podcast production. Uh, today, I am joined by a dear friend. David Williams. If you've listened to the main podcast, you have probably heard David's voice before. He has uh, guest appeared on a few episodes, so if you keep up with us, then David should be familiar to you. Uh, David, real quick, uh, tell me about your DC consumption. Uh, comic books, video games, movies, TV shows. What what DC are you or have you been consuming? So while I am a huge, as the viewers, listeners know, a large Star Wars connoisseur of all things lore, comic books, when it comes to DC, I am extremely biased. And I'm sure it's going to throw people for a loop. I am a lantern through and through. All things lantern, all the spectrums, red, yellow, blue, purple, black, white. I mean, I've re- read brightest day, darkest night, stuff like that. When it comes to the rest of the DC universe, however, I am what they call an amateur. <laughs> I do watch just about every Batman uh, movie that comes out on DC because they love that man. And then I think the last couple of Justice League movies that I've watched all on HBO Max, you know, we're not sponsored, but, you know, plug it in there. On HBO Max, um, just about every Justice League movie that comes out, I think there's one that I saw that, I guess, Flash was back in time in the 1950s or something like that. Like, uh, But as far as, like, my actual consumption, that's about the extent of it. Anything that's been out, I mean, I have seen all of the uh, Justice League animated series and the Justice League Unlimited animated series as well. Uh, shout out to LLP. Uh, we, uh, we definitely... We, watch every episode there is to watch on that and talk about it all the time so that's about as far as i go once upon a time i did have a dc encyclopedia with every hero and villain that spanned the universe at that moment obviously support before the new 52 but uh yeah i think from childhood growing up that's pretty much all i got what about you um you know i me and me and bruce we go way back to year of our lord 1900 and 92 um for Batman the Animated Series, and pretty much anything that DC has put out as far as, um, like, visual media since. So I've watched all of that. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, Superman, uh, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Young Justice, Teen Titans, uh, like, all of the shows. Um, yeah. And... I've seen all of the movies that I'm discussing on this podcast, but I have discussed how I've discussed DC animation, but I haven't like talked about DC animation. I'm always like DC animation is great, but we're talking about it now. And DC animation has such quality that I've dedicated a podcast to it because it's so good. Um, I, I have read a bunch of random stories here and there. Um, I've actually started reading a lot of the comic books on which these movies are based. And so my DC knowledge, I don't want to call it expansive by any means, but I know just a bunch of stuff here and there uh, through my consumption of, you know, DC, mostly uh, movies and shows, but also some comic books and some video game things. That makes sense. So, uh, to uh, well, first, uh, I appreciate you for joining us on this journey through DC animation. Anytime, every time. 
today's film is Batman Under the Red Hood, released July 7th, 2010. Uh, the comic book on which this movie is based is Batman Under the Hood. I'm going to read a synopsis in my own words, and then David and I, we're just, we're just going to get in there. Sounds good. So, uh, we open with the Joker beating Robin with a crowbar. Uh, Batman is on his way, but unfortunately, he doesn't make it in time. The building explodes and Batman finds Robin's body. In Gotham, five years later, um, we meet, there's a meeting with the Gotham crime lords, and they are trying to figure out who set up the meeting. Um, and so, unable to be shot because he has the high ground. A man in a red mask explains that he's the one who set up the meeting and he will be taking over the underground operation. To make sure that they understand how serious he is, he gifts them with the heads of their lieutenants. Uh, Batman is chasing down some criminals and they come across a mazo. Batman begins fighting and Nightwing comes to help. Uh, the men that were the men that they were chasing say that they were working for the Red Hood and they are promptly sniped for snitching. Um, Batman finds Red Hood and the chase begins. They end up in the chemical factory that ended up creating the Joker. Red Hood lights the place up and escapes. Batman and Nightwing go to the prison to visit the Joker, uh, the original Red Hood. Joker starts talking shit and Batman almost chokes him out. But, of course, the Joker wasn't behind it, so they leave. Black Mask is pissed because of what happened to Amazo, and Black Mask wants Red Hood dead. And while going over the next shipment, both Batman and Red Hood are listening in. So, of course, they both show up to interrupt the operation, and Batman and Nightwing begin the chase with Red Hood once again. His level of skill has them wondering who it could possibly be, and after some quick sound mixing, Batman figures out who the Red Hood is. And it's none other than Jason! Uh, Black Mask is even more pissed now, so he starts attacking Red Hood's operations, coming after the people that Red Hood promised to protect. Red Hood is then attacked by some mercenaries, and Batman shows up, and they get to work. Red Hood kills one of them, and the lecture begins, and, uh, of course, Batman tests some blood from the crime scene just to make sure that it's officially who he thinks it is, and it's a match. It's definitely Jason. So, uh, Black Mask gets his office blown up by Red Hood, so he decides to reluctantly make a deal with the Joker. Batman digs up Jason's body to see that it's just a body double, and he goes to the man responsible. The Joker and Black Mask are able to come to an agreement, and Batman shows up to visit Mr. Raz Al Ghul. Uh, Raish then explains that he hired the Joker, but didn't take into consideration how crazy the Joker is, so when the Joker killed Jason... Raish wanted to use the Lazarus Pit to revive him. Uh, that came with some side effects. So, uh, back in Gotham, the Joker is causing a ruckus, and the Red Hood appears. He explains that it was his plan the entire time to get the Joker out so that they could face off. Red Hood begins beating the Joker with a crowbar, then Batman and Red Hood begin their fight. They end up back in the room where Jason is holding the Joker, and Jason's issue is, why the fuck 
did you let the Joker live after what he did? And Jason tries to make Batman kill either the Joker or him, but of course, that doesn't work. Uh, the building blows up, the criminals are arrested, and we don't know what happened to Jason. Credits. So, David, what'd you think of the movie? Uh, honestly, <clears throat> of all the side character and i use that very lightly because it's still a robin we're talking about and of all the side character dc movies i've seen i think this is the most well written uh it's the, one of the most balanced movies i think i've seen it's just like a movie connoisseur um i think that dc animation like you said just does not miss and this is a prime example of why um i'm sure as we'll go through it a lot of the things that i like notice just offer it um, based off your summary, you mentioned a solid three to four villains in here. And each of the solid three to four villains has their own little side story, has enough screen time, but not a lot of screen time to where the story makes sense. I know you think about like movies like uh, Marvel, Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home, I think is the last one that came out, where you have yes. four or five different villains. Um, and if you hadn't seen their backstories, you... We're a little bit lost, but at the same time, kind of knew of them, if you know anything about Marvel and Spider-Man. And in this, under the Red Hood one, you get a backstory on Red Hood. You get a little bit of a backstory on Joker, a little bit of backstory on Raish, and a little bit of backstory on Black Mask. All enough to tie into one another with no problem. I was thoroughly impressed. Excellent. Um, in my opinion, this is the best movie out of the first 10. Um, and I mean, it's, it's this is just, just quality work. Oh, yeah. um it's okay. excellent um it stays pretty close to the comic book uh there are some you know little differences um in the comic book uh he was brought back through hypertime which is pretty much just multiverse nonsense of yeah. mm -hmm. overlapping universes and them kind of explaining their way out of contradictions and plot holes and whatnot so he was alive and then dipped in the Lazarus pit and that's what caused his issues. Um, now, as I'm sure you know, uh, mm -hmm. the reason he died is because um, in the comic book Death in the Family um, in 1988, uh, Jason was voted out. He was voted off the island pretty much. Uh, they let the people decide, does he live or does he die? And more people wanted him to die than live and so that's why he died. And so we don't was see he, Jason between beaten to death? Yeah. It, yeah, was, it, was, it was that same way. Like he was beaten with a crowbar and then the building exploded and then we see uh, Batman yeah. with his body. Like that happened the way it happened. So um, we don't see him for nearly 20 years. Like the next time we see him is in the 2000s and that's when this all happens. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. What were your thoughts on the animation? So you mentioned this earlier and they completely slipped my mind when I was talking about my things that I've watched. I've seen every episode of Teen Titans. Not Teen Titans Go, but we all know what I'm talking about. That the OG. Teen Titans. Uh, Flayed, uh, Red X, like those Teen Titans. The OG. This, this has got to be some of the closest animation to that and Young Justice prior to Young Justice even being a thing when this movie came out. But I loved it. It was flawless. The acrobatics, the cyborg ninja scene, um, the 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 fighting moves. Like so, in the beginning of the movie, when um, I guess 
uh, beginning, kind of middle-ish, when Red Hood was being chased by Batman and Nightwing, which, shout out to Nightwing, love that design. Um, the acrobatics that Red Hood showed when he got the grappling hook wrapped around his ankle in midair, mid-flip, cut it with a knife. And Batman goes, you know how many blades can cut through my rope? Like that's oh my gosh, beautifully written, beautifully designed. They used a storm scene at one point where lightning was going off in a flash against his mask. Well, um, the transitions from hardcore parkour building to building. a lot of parkour, a lot of parkour, <laughs> hardcore parkour from skyscraper to skyscraper to lower rooftop to brownstone till we finally landed to the apartment scene. Which you know, thinking back on it, uh, Red Hood had this all planned out. Oh, the entire pathway. Oh, they're going to start chasing me here, and then we're going to hop here, 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 here. It's probably going to try and stop me here, but it, ultimately, I'm going to make it to my goal. I love it. It was it was amazing. Um, for I don't know if we've discussed this, or I can't remember if I've heard this on your podcast before, but as one that loves a good head snap, a neck snap, um, what did you think of the explosion from the cyborg ninja scene? Oh, when he tased him in his face, and then his head and, blew off? Correct. <laughs> uh you know i was like oh shit <laughs> I, I wasn't the first time i saw it i was not prepared for that to happen um oh. i thought he was gonna get tased and that was gonna be it but no good god almighty that killed him yeah he's like what is he gonna tase me and tase us both <laughs> you thought yeah like mm, that got something for you and yeah <laughs> blew his fucking brains out Blue i was not brain. i was not prepared for that to happen um but you know, I wasn't surprised because that's the kind of like when Red Hood dropped a bag of heads. Oh, I was like, oh, Ugh. he's a broken Xbox. He don't play Ugh. no games. Brutal, causing even the even the crime lords, the best drug dealers in the city, saw the bag and started throwing yeah. it up. Just like yeah, oh, they awesome. there was that was fear in them like they they were afraid because he said i did it in two hours imagine what i could do in a day <laughs> with an entire afternoon like oh just flexing on them um so yeah red hood i mean that's this is just a demonstration of if you are trained by batman and you decide to just go be loose that's that's not good that's not good. Mm. And, and well, we, see, we see what Batman could do. Like, we know that Batman, of course, could do whatever he wanted. But this is just a demonstration of, like, what a baby Batman without the moral code is capable of. That is true. Batman with prep time is a dangerous thing. So anybody trained with prep time by Batman. Whew. Uh, yeah. Reference to another movie where Batman single-handedly destroyed the entire Justice League. When someone stole his plans, I can just imagine what would Red Hood do in a situation like that if he needed to take down anyone. And Batman can do it, and he trained Red Hood. Ooh, Jason is a dangerous man. Jason's dangerous. Um, so what did you think about the voice casting? Jensen Ackles, uh, honestly, one of my favorite actors ever. And voice actors, too. He has the dark brooding i've been slowly damaged voice whenever he portrays characters and i loved him as red hood oh my gosh i absolutely loved him as red hood um was it bruce greenwood was that the guy that played batman in this one yeah so um bruce greenwood as batman really dope batman didn't have a whole lot of speaking roles of course he has a dark brooding character so him going on a monologue doesn't make a whole lot of sense but at the same time i, I think it was a good pairing i think it was a really solid pairing um 
other characters kind of eh, you know, they could have been forced by kind of anybody at that point. Um, I like Neil Patrick Harris as Nightwing. Uh, you know what? That's that. cool. He's, he was plucky. You know what I'm saying? Like Neil Patrick Harris gives off that light, airy comedy. He's was, he was like plucky. Plus, yeah. oh, what did uh, <laughs> what did Nightwing say? It's a part of my charm. That's why I talk so much. That's why I ask so many questions. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, and I, I will say, I think I prefer Neil Patrick Harris playing Flash as opposed to Nightwing, but I think it still works. Yeah, no, it definitely still works. Um, but I, I thought the voice casting was uh, pretty good. Of course, the Batman in my head is not Bruce Greenwood. Um, he's like my third or fourth option. Um, but it didn't bother me. Like he usually whenever somebody else voices Batman, the amount of time it takes me to get used to it is kind of what determines how I feel about it. Because Kevin Conroy is my Batman uh, in my head. And through. Like through. when I hear him, I know it's Batman. Um, I think my second option we will discuss later in this series, but uh, Bruce Greenwood is like my three or four. And I was pretty comfortable listening to him as Batman, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. So his, his portrayal didn't bother me because again, there are some people who like, when I hear them as Batman, it just doesn't work for me. Like With, I just... uh, with Jensen Ackles as Red Hood in this one, can you see him in any other character animated or live action wise? I know he plays on the boys, but like um, when it comes to Marvel DC, can you see him playing any role? Cause I think he has the voice that's diverse enough to play a lot of things. Oh, Jensen Ackles can kind of do what he wants because whenever I watched this movie the first time, I didn't know it was Jensen Ackles. And then when I saw, his name because of course they showed it in the beginning credits but whenever i actually looked at the end credits and saw that he was red hood i was like the dude from supernatural like uh Uh, because that's not what his voice sounds like in my head and yeah like he can kind of do what he wants and honestly i would not be mad if he was batman oh like he's got a voice that i can except as Batman, because honestly, Jensen Ackles has a beautiful voice. Yes, he does. He's and, a great actor. Yeah, and he can do what he wants. So I would have no objection to him being Batman, but I said all of that to say he can kind of do what he wants. He could have he voiced the movie, and I probably would have been <laughs> fine. How did you feel about Bender as the Joker? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I knew I wasn't, I knew I wasn't tripping when I was like, I had to replay a scene two or three times, especially when he laughed. I was like, wait, hold on. Is that kiss my shiny metal? <laughs> I was like, there's no way this has been there. And I had to go look it up. Sure enough. I was like, Oh, what? That's cool. That's not. So obviously Luke Skywalker, my, my, my favorite Joker of all time as voiced by, um, uh, Oh my gosh. Saving Spencer. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Yes. One of the greatest Joker voices that there ever is, ever will be. The goat. Um, he is my all-time Joker favorite, but I was not mad with this one. Um, I think when it comes to the voicing of these different Jokers, you kind of get a different personality. Like if you look at the, I don't know if you call it the Joker verse, all these different Jokers and how they've been playing their different personalities and different portrayals. Obviously, that's a director's choice on which way they go. But the voices kind of carry that. So this one, he didn't strike me as the crown prince of crime 
in this movie. He struck me as the sadistic serial killer <laughs> that all he's good for is brutally murdering a lot of people in a short amount of time. And I, maybe hot take, maybe not a hot take. Joker is just as smart as Batman. Oh, if not yeah. smarter. And that's a scary thought. And, okay, yeah, that's the thing that a lot of people, I think, don't understand about the Joker is that there are many different versions of the Joker and how the Joker can be portrayed. And that's why the whole comparing, if we're just looking at live-action Jokers, for example, um, that's why the comparison game is a little difficult because what the Joker that Jack Nicholson played was not the same Joker that Heath Ledger played, and that was right. not the same Joker that... Uh, Jared Leto played and so like the whole clown prince of crime is that speaks to a very specific joker whereas there are some jokers that are not worried about you know being a mob boss and that are not worried about crime itself but that are just unfucking hinged and their goal is just to break the bat and pretty much because in this movie, the Joker was like, I'm the one who's going to win. Like, <laughs> he, was a, he was a crazy man because he's, and, and that's so funny to me. This is not the movie that made me realize it. We're, we're going to discuss the movie that made me realize it later. But like watching it a second time um, and being aware of it at this point, it was so funny to me that the villains that hired the Joker didn't understand what they were getting themselves into. Black Mask, I understand him not having that understanding. But Raish, I figured Raish knew what this was. How many, how many centuries did that man brag that he was alive for? Raish had been walking the earth for at least four. Four centuries. So you at have least... over 400 years of understanding humans and you meet the Joker and don't understand the map. Oh, come on, man. And I mean, Ray Shet, I underestimated his level of sanity. Uh, I He got me. And I was like, what do you mean he got you? Like, how did... He He makes it real clear. Like, said, I don't... Oops, my bad. You're, you're bad. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, Ray Shet tried to fix it. He really did. But, uh, you know, I just... I thought that that was interesting that for the second time, somebody was like, you know who can get it done? The Joker. Let's make a deal. And they thought that the Joker was going to, you know, meet the terms of the deal. Was it, and, was it bad that I laughed? Like, I actually had a legit chuckle when, I, when he opened the van on the bridge scene to draw Red Hood. And inside the van were not only the Red Hood's crime bosses, but Black Mask himself. Yeah. How did that happen? I don't understand. Like, I understand the Joker is very good at what he does. He can take a tiny distraction and destroy a whole city with it. But I mean, but the, the fact that in the room, the Joker was like, can I get some water, please? And then shot everyone. Everyone. All, all of them. Bow, 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 bow. And then said to Black Mask, like, we're going to need some guys. <laughs> Not these guys. Not these guys. <laughs> They're kind of dead. <laughs> some other guys yeah. big... and so that should have let black mask know what he was doing like black mask should have been like you know what i'll call you <laughs> and that then been a better bet for him. left it alone because 
like that. No, that's that's a crazy person. I mean, we knew that, but I just thought that it was really funny that both of these villains went to the Joker thinking that they could strike up a deal and that he would, you know, be cooperative. And uh, no, but for Black Mask, I get it because Black Mask probably figured there's only one person crazy enough to get it done because he has seen how efficient and capable Red Hood is. Like he sent those four mercenaries and they couldn't get it done. So Black Mask was desperate. Mm. So I understand how Black Mask got here, but Raish really, I was like, I don't, I don't know that Raish would have made that decision. See, but this is also a different race we're talking about too. So the, for those that don't know, Raish Al Ghul, the second quote unquote, a mortal person in the DC universe. And that's a villain that we've been seeing thus far. Um, he takes on a lot of different roles. And in this movie specifically, especially in the beginning of the movie, when we go and have a flashback, he was just trying to destroy the economy of Europe. Yep. That's a different type of race. Race is also the master of the League of Assassins. And while he does do political assassinations, Rachel Ghoul's other uh, multiverse versions has not tried to just flatly destroy a whole continent's economy like that's that was a new one for me that's another deep small detail i paid attention to that i was like huh interesting when he's fighting batman it's typically for like art or rare artifacts that give him more power or trying to defend the lazarus pit or trying, or to, trying to recruit batman to, uh, you know, take to recruit over. batman yes so when you have or like, sneakily try to like send his daughter his way you know what i'm saying like damien got here one way or the other but yeah. Those type of strategic moves by Rich, I'm used to. But as a strictly, I just want to destroy the Europe, Europe's economy. And I thought the Joker would be a good distraction. That's kind of like, a, oh, man, let's use a nuke to blow up a small town. Because that's exactly how it turned out. Well, He's and the- I mean, he wasn't wrong in that the Joker would distract Batman. True. But I mean, and we... I think this didn't surprise me as far as what Raish does, because when I think of, I guess for people that are not very familiar with um, the DC universe, but that are somewhat familiar with the MCU, um, the League of Assassins is kind of the Ten Rings. So we see with the Ten Rings, there's a man who has lived forever and he has toppled governments and just taken over and spent his time just being a conqueror and the league of shadows and race kind of work in that same way in that he is a man who is effectively immortal he's been here for a very long time he runs a shadowy organization that is pulling strings behind the scenes and that can make a lot of political moves and that can hold a lot of power from an invisible place from behind a curtain that you don't know is there. And so with that being the case, race trying to topple a government sounded about right to me. Okay. Now, another character that, you know, in this version of taking over governments and ultimately destroying them, we have Vandal Savage. Now, we don't see him in this I movie. love, oh, my nigga, Vandal Savage. <laughs> I love Vandal Savage. And I'm going to talk about Vandal Savage later. Don't you worry. Mm. Vandal Savage is one that came to mind, especially since he's been 
what he's in his second. He's the prime immortal. We want to talk about immortality in the DC universe. Forget the Lazarus pit. We're talking yeah. about good old uh, the original caveman, the yeah. Uga Uga turned uh, great con turned. Uh, what what other role did he say that he played? He was he wasn't yeah. Julius. He was Alexander the Great. That's who he was. He was Alexander the Great. He was all of these great conquerors you hear about in history. That was Vandal Savage with a haircut or a different cut or a toga. And now, 400 years ago, Reza Ghoul stepped onto the scene. I'm wondering how many times they've crossed paths. And we don't see that in here, but when I think about immortality, that's one person. You know what? You've been around 400 years. How come you ain't ever run into Vandal Savage? How come y'all on the same team? What, what happened there? Yeah, Vandal Savage is the immortal. Like, Because Reish needs the Lazarus, but Vandal Savage doesn't. Vandal Savage is just immortal. Um, everything that Vandal Savage is in, he makes sure to tell his story. So we'll get into more of Vandal Savage later on. But oftentimes when I see them both, they are both like with, they're both on a council of higher up villains that are working together toward a cause like the light is what i think of whenever yeah. i think of those two um but otherwise i don't know that they cross paths very often um and they may be working in different parts of the planet so i know that they do cross paths at different points but i don't think they get in each other's way i think that usually if they are you know they're, they're usually in cahoots, if nothing else. But I think that because Raish is mostly very specifically a Batman villain and Vandal Savage is not, they don't usually interact a bunch in the comic books. And, you know, as expansive as these comic books are, I'm sure that I there's something that I don't know about where these two do have some interaction uh, because there's way too much to know everything. That is very true. But as far as I know, they are usually only brought together for like large scale. Um, they're both on a council of villains type situation. Makes sense. Question for you. Um, going to the fight scene. Uh, I know we talked about that epic head explosion. What did you think of the cyborg ninjas as far as taking down the Red Hood? When we see... Uh, mercenaries in the DC universe, especially where Batman is concerned, especially um, you've got is Deathstroke, you've yep. got uh, you've got Deadshot, you've got some other sharpshooters, contract killers that you can use, and yet all Black Mask could afford were the uh, Cyborg Ninjas. What did you think of his usage of Cyborg Ninjas versus another one, or who would you have used to take out the Red Hood? How you been Black Mask? So. I think that, um, I mean, if we're looking at this in real life, as far as like the entire DC pantheon being available, then yeah, you should have made a better choice. Um, this could have been a proximity issue. Um, it could be a situation where the other options just weren't available. But I think that for the sake of the movie, that's the choice that was made because you send Slade in there. It's a different movie. Oh, it is a different movie. Oh, so yeah, like because we've seen Slade fuck up one Robin. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so yeah, like of the year. <laughs> yeah, you, you send Slade in there. This is a different movie, and so I think that the cyborg it had to be 
something that was formidable, but defeatable. Because if you, again, if you send in one of the like high dollar assassins, mm-hmm. um, the, the movie, it's gotta be a different movie. Yeah. And they needed somebody expendable because we needed to see Red Hood kill someone. Um, that way they could have the conversation about it. Um, because he said, like, you should be happy. I only killed one of them. And honestly, if Batman hadn't showed up, they might have got the job done because Red Hood was struggling. And then when Batman got there, he was like, it's about goddamn time you got here. <laughs> I've been stalling. Trying to here wait I, for you. Get my ass beat. Waiting on you. Yeah. So they might have got it done if Batman hadn't showed up. And so I think that. I think for the sake of the movie, that's why that happened. But if I need to hire a contract killer, um, I think Slade is the way to go because Slade's going to get it done because Slade has all the skills. I'm not like Deadshot is very good, but if the Red Hood is wearing anything bulletproof, you know, that moot. But Slade can do everything. Everything that needs doing. Uh, Slade is what I call a professional. Ooh. I, tell me if you're aware of this. And this is, I cannot pick out the movie in my head, but I can recall the scene very, very plainly. Slade was in the middle of killing someone and a sniper round came close to him. Didn't hit him, but came close. He immediately turned and zeroed in on the exact position of the sniper over a mile away. To where the sniper looked through his scope, saw the eye contact, and freaked out. Was like, oh, oh, I'm way too far away if you look at me. Slade, no- Slade is a super soldier. So that's not surprising. Like, Slade has some experimental shit in his blood that makes him a fucking problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why he's old as fuck and still very capable. Um, very, very capable. So yeah, Slade being a super soldier is probably why he was able to see that man and know exactly what was happening. And that's the thing. Again, the Slade being a super soldier also is a part of why I think that's the move I'm going to make because I don't know that Cheshire would get it done. Um, since Jason uses guns, I'm not sending Lady Shiva. Definitely not. Um, I mean... You might ask Raish to send some League of Shadows, but I, 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 I go Slade. Um, if if I need take out ten of them, uh, Red Hood's good for at least five or six. Yeah. So I again, I think the choice to use those mercenaries was just we need some nameless faces that are expendable, um, but that would be formidable. So we need a good fight scene. Uh, we need somebody that Jason can kill. Um, and we need like a believable situation where it's like, okay, is he in danger? Like, would this group of mercenaries actually be able to get it done? And had Batman not showed up, they might have. So, yeah. And I mean, that's a pretty standard formula that we see with the DC. Like, we'll see, um, I guess, a group of very capable fighters who have very different styles. We'll see a big, large bruiser. We'll see somebody that's got like a long range ability. We'll see somebody that's very skilled hand to hand. And we'll see somebody that's like weird and like fights on all fours and is like fast and shit. Um, That's 
And I don't know if that's exactly what we saw here, like those four archetypes, but generally it's something to that effect. Um, We see that in multiple situations. Um, And so I, when I saw them, I was like, yep, this is the standard package of mercenaries and that's fine. I, I'm good with that. Cause you know, again, the fight choreography in this movie was very good. Oh, Um, not, not only the fight choreography, but all of the choreography, all of the action scenes, all of the chase scenes, like everything that was going on was um, very well done. And again, of the first 10 DC animated movies, this is the best one in my opinion. So it doesn't surprise me, but yeah. So are you familiar with Amazo at all? I am. I am a huge fan of Amazo. Um, honestly, the Amazo that we got in this movie, while great, uh, wasn't the Amazo that I'm used to. Because Correct. the Amazo I'm used to, Batman is calling the Justice League. He's, yeah, he's the, not taking Amazo one-on-one. That, Batman, Batman is not going to fight Amazo. Because whenever they were punching and kicking Amazo, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Amazo is a robot. He I doesn't feel pain. Yeah, but then <laughs> then Batman conveniently said he has the same weak points as a human. I was like, oh, does he? How? I just, how? Okay. And but then the blades had, come out the right way, straight into the ears. Because that's a weak point, you know. Yeah, and the thing is, he had already, he had Superman powers. So even if he has human weak points, if he has Superman powers, that includes durability, and that includes Batman not being able to just break his knees, because that's not a thing. Yes, it's, it's absolutely not a thing. I think uh, the last time I recall seeing Amazo was when he actually fought Superman, and Superman was in trouble. Superman was not, he was taking them hits and not getting back up. He was taking them hits and being like, okay, Ouch. <laughs> yeah, this hurt. this doesn't feel good at all. So much so, didn't they have to like hide different members from Amazo just so he wouldn't get their powers? Uh, that's one of the things that they tried to do. If you're talking about in Justice League, um, yeah, they said, Superman, do not come. Martian Manhunter, do not come. Because if he takes your powers, there's nothing we can do. There's so don't do. show up. And I remember seeing Amazo in Young Justice and that version of Amazo would like call out whose powers he was using at any given time. So he would be like activating Superman and then do some Superman. (laughs) Activating Martian Manhunter and then do some Martian Manhunter. Activating Wonder Woman and then just throwing hands. So he was, um, yeah, we've seen Amazo in some things, but Amazo, I don't think Amazo was a good like option here just based on what we know because Mm -hmm. if if this was your first time seeing amazo then you're kind of like oh okay but if you've seen amazo in any other situation like we have then you know like amazo should not have been able like batman should not be able to handle amazo alone period even with nightwing and really um (laughs) nightwing is what we call a casualty because that is what he would have been yeah the amount of weaponry batman keeps on him at all time like red hood said walking arsenal Nightwing don't have that. He, no, he ain't got no utility belt. He's got what he got on him and some pockets. Maybe some pockets. Yeah, because Nightwing's suit, real tight. He ain't got room for nothing. He ain't got room for nothing. Amazo comes back in a punch. Now, what did you think about the design? Because I thought this was a callback to the original Amazo. So the older style Amazo, um, once I like watched this movie the second time through, it kind of reminds you of Black Adam. So the, oh, with the, the ears. Face, the pointed ears. 
if you look at the original Lazo and the character design of him, he's wearing green. He's got red hair, which that doesn't make any sense. But his ears are pointed. Now, Amazo is a robot and as designed by someone to kind of look human. This is not the human Amazo. This this is this is an elf. This is a superpowered elf. This is an ogre. Somebody gonna kill you. Well, I think that usually when I think of Amazo, he usually has pointy ears because Amazo in the Justice League show, he was just a gold clad body right he he didn't have any like characteristics but whenever i think of amazo i think of like a large shirtless man with green pants and red hair and pointy ears like that's what amazo looks like in my head Mm -hmm. and so because i think that in the comic book amazo like the green pants might go up to his like nipples maybe and then he's got like a little vest or something but whenever I think of Amazo, this is what Amazo looks like in my head. Now, I don't, I'm not able to speak to exactly how many different versions of Amazo I've seen, but in the versions that I have seen, um, I think that this is what Amazo looks like, or rather, this is pretty close to my idea of Amazo in my head. And, you know, I think that he was, I guess, the appropriate size because he was pretty tall. And yeah, so I don't know. I would say that this Amazo was like pretty based on the comic book version, uh, if I'm recalling the comic book version correctly, but definitely different than the Justice League version because the Justice League version, completely different Amazo. Um, so yeah. Uh, honestly, one of the main things when introducing Amazo, like him being curled up in the box, the three random goons, which I, I do want to ask you a question about these goons that you see throughout this entirety of the movie. I am, um, and this is also an ode to Joker as well. Um, but when you see Amazo being shipped in a box, uh, when you see the three goons getting manhandled and then ultimately taking out, taken out by Red Hood, uh, what what do you think about the expendability of just humans out of here? In the closing scene of the movie, when he talks about Joker and all the mayhem and all the stuff that he's done and the graveyards he's filled, I'm wondering how populated is the you know the United States during the DC universe? Any any version, any any version of the DC universe, how populated is everything? Because it seems like they're out here crushing ants. Just where there's one goon, there's three million more, and you can just pick whatever you want. There's a surplus. Um, I would say that generally speaking, there are more things alive in a comic book universe than in ours. Because, you know, comic book universes have, you know, all of the people on Earth, but then also all of the aliens and shit. So, I mean, even if we took just every person on earth so let's say dc has the same number of regular humans on earth that we do then you add in all of the aliens that have visited and then you add in all of the um metahumans that have been created or that have become metahuman through you know whatever happened uh you bring up the fact that sometimes people don't die they die and they come back or they never truly die and so I would say that the DC Earth is likely more populated than ours. Um, And I think that when you live in a world 
where people and things have that capability, then yeah, there are a lot of people who don't make it. Because I remember on one episode of the main podcast, uh, one of the questions that I was asked was, would I rather be a random citizen in Gotham or one of Joker's henchmen? Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's no good answer. There's There's no good answer. answer there. Yeah, because, and I said I'd rather be a random citizen in Gotham because while in Gotham, it's likely that, you know, something may happen to me, with the Joker, it's a guarantee. That's true. Because I can't be led by that crazy man. Because I, even if we look at things that everybody has seen, so let's look at the Dark Knight, for example. We see the Joker's henchmen killing each other. Oh my gosh, they do. And then eventually the Joker is like, he he shoots him and he's like, yeah, th- this was the plan the whole time. Wow. No loose ends. And so oh. if anybody has questions about what life is like as a Joker henchman, there you go. And 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 that's the thing. There Most people, I would assume that DC is like real life in that most people who end up in a gang that wasn't plan A. Um, they found themselves on hard times or they were easily susceptible or, you know, they came into some money and was like, this is the move. Because I would imagine that financially, these henchmen are doing very well. And so I know that I I wouldn't want to be a henchman because if Batman is lurking, I don't want to accidentally catch myself in that situation. Uh, I don't know if it's Justice League or Justice League Unlimited or Batman Animated Series, but as a Batman connoisseur, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the scene. And this kind of describes how henchmen view Batman. Uh, there was a specific scene where the two henchmen were guarding a room and one of the henchmen walks away. The other one takes a peek inside the room, sees the guy he's guarding, is okay with it. Next thing you know, he hears some noise, turns the corner again, sees Batman. They make eye contact. And instead of going in the room, he just turns right around. The other henchman comes back and is like, do you hear anything? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Damn thing. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, <sighs> I feel, I want to say that was Batman the Animated Series, but I can't guarantee that. But yeah, uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, Batman, every time I see a meme that has somebody like fucked up and then Batman is like, now talk. It's always so funny to me. And these movies kind of disprove that because a lot of time, like in this movie, matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that a young Jason fucks somebody up and then Batman is like, he would have talked. Like, he he would have talked, but you shattered his collarbone. Like, and it's like, normally we see memes of Batman doing that to people, (laughs) but the reality is uh, usually we see Batman trying to hold somebody else back from doing too much. And this is an example of that because that's one of the things that they mentioned in this movie is how different Dick and Jason are because Jason, a little reckless, a little, he's, he's fearless and he will get it done, but it's going to be messy. I would counter that. I would, I would just for devil's advocate, I would counter that. Jason is everything Batman combat-wise. And 
interrogation wise he copied batman play by play the only thing he lacks is the sympathy that batman does have for the common man jason doesn't have that and the reason i would only counter that is because yes batman did get on to jason in the movie for shattering the man's collarbone and sitting him in the shop yeah essentially what batman told him is it's okay to beat up the other two and break their collarbones but the third one the guy we need the information from you got to be strategic with it now at the same time, if you fast forward in the movie, Joker says something straight to Batman when they visit him in Arkham with Nightwing. He says, are you going to put me in another full body cast? I don't know if you remember that, but I remember that clear as day. So, oh, wait a minute. Time out. Jason can't shatter a collarbone, but you can put the Joker in a full body cast and put him in Arkham. It's the Joker, though. Uh, I, You know, you're not wrong because the way the way I'm seeing it, to your point, I think that Jason is much closer to an early Batman. There we go. Because we have a Batman now who has, you know, honed his skills and has better tactics. But I think that like a year one, year two Batman would have broken some collarbones and oh, then yeah. like would have broken a man's jaw and then been like, all right, what's the info? <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do you got for me? Yeah. I sound like Arnold. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I, I think that um, we have the luxury of seeing an older, more seasoned Batman who has been in the trenches for a while. Um, and Jason is the youth and exuberance and, you know, excitement, but also brashness that we may have seen from an earlier Batman. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that even with that, as far as temperament goes, Jason, that wasn't going to wear off of Jason. Like an old man, Jason is still going to be breaking collarbones because, and, and that's the thing. One of the things that he mentions was that like, do you think the Lazarus pit made me crazy? Or do you think this is just who I've been the entire time? Because I think that's what you're afraid of. I think you're afraid that this is just me. And that because I'm this way, you failed because you don't really know if the Lazarus pit is the reason I'm going in like this. And that's a completely fair statement, uh, because like we said earlier, or like the movie points out earlier, if he hadn't had picked him up off the street, he would have been a problem. That's Batman's own words. Yep. It would have been a problem had I not taken him in. Now, ironically, you made him a problem even more so. So what you did was you took a regular everyday, you know, could have been criminal and made him a overpowered everyday criminal. Because uh, and I think um, this is uh, in the New 52, uh, just a segue from one to the other. In the New 52, um, Nightwing is doing the opposite of what Jason is doing in this movie. In this movie, uh, Jason basically says, you guys are all playing, paying getting paid or paying a black mask and taking a small cut. I'm going to give you a bigger cut, but I'm in charge. I'm going to fix Gotham from the crime level because clearly the outside and Batman's approach does not work. You guys still exist. So I'm just going to be in charge and curtail what you do. No kids, no schools, no playgrounds. If I see you there, you're dead. And you yeah, think joking, Jason you're figures dead. like you can't stop crime. You just have to control it. And that's what Jason did. Now, uh, Nightwing in the New 52, if anybody's familiar with that, uh, Nightwing inherits billions from Alfred. And 
he fixes Gotham in a different way, opening up centers, giving people jobs, stuff like that. I think every member of the Bat family put in a position of power is going to do things a different way. I think Jason does his beautifully, honestly. I, I think if you're going to control crime, this is the exact way to do it. Make those puppets dance because they don't respond to nothing else but fear. That's it. If you think I, if I can make you believe that I can touch you at any point in time, hell yeah, you're going to do what I say. And that was kind of Jason's point was like, Bruce, the way you're doing it isn't working. I have controlled it. Like I have, I have made this relatively peaceful. And the only reason it's not is because Black Mask won't shut the fuck up. But I will shut him the fuck up. (laughs) And then we'll be fine. By peace agreement or body bag, there will be peace in Gotham. I mean, he did say the greatest detective while behind his computer with Alfred in the background. Uh, crime is down. Yep. The trafficking has not stopped, but crime overall is down. Yeah, because everybody's cooperating. Because they think, you know, we still going to do crime. And, you know, we we trust and believe that Red Hood is a better boss because he kind of leaves us alone if we don't break any rules. And we know that he will protect us because we've seen what he can do with two hours. So, um, David, scale of one to ten. Because of the choreography of the fight scenes, the excellent play of incorporating multiple villains without overshadowing a single one, Hitting on all key notes while doing backstory at the same time and tapping on Batman's key weakness, his Batman, his back guilt, <laughs> his back guilt, as we see over and over again. I give this a solid 9.7. On my scale of DC anime movies, this is a 9.7. Top to bottom, could watch it five, six times over and still get something different almost every single time. Okay. Okay. Um... Yeah, as far as the DC animated movies that I've seen are concerned, I'm giving this an 8.5. Okay. Um, it's very good. And again, we're we're starting to step into straight quality as far as DC animation goes, because this movie it's it's one of those situations where like it was good the first it's good every time I watch it. You know how there are some movies where like it'll be good the first time you watch it and then better when you watch it later or it'll be good and then the second time you watch it you're like that kind of went down a little bit mm-hmm. now that i've but no this is like every time i've watched it 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 maintains the same level of quality like it's a good movie every single time uh whether i'm just watching it as a viewer whether i'm watching it as a historian whether i'm analyzing it like however Whatever goggles or eyes I have on, this is a good quality movie, as you said, top to bottom, front to back. So, again, of the first 10, this is probably the best one. It's not the only good one, but it is probably the best one. It I'm is sure not... as I watch more movies later, my, my, my voting and ranking will change. But I definitely I understand that. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. You're going to take this journey with us. And so you'll see what else there is because again, there's a lot and it's straight quality. Like the lowest that any of these are probably going to get is a six. Like, and and that's better than the MCU's doing. Cause there are some movies that would not get that. That's true. 
So, and I, I can't, I can't guarantee that's going to be the case, but generally speaking, uh, I'm sorry. Just for the animation. Yeah. Just animation. I'm not talking live action. Okay. Uh, because live action DC's got some shit to work out. If they, if they took the DC animated universes, producers and directors and made them in charge of the DCU, would they be as good as Marvel or better? Yes. All of the above. Yeah, they would. Because the, again, like the DC animation, it's it's phenomenal. It's 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 such a quality product. And that's the thing, other than live action movies, everything else DC puts out is really good. Whether it's comic books, whether it's video games, whether it's animated shows, live action shows, like it, all of DC's content, other than their like blockbuster films, are good. Their blockbuster films are just very inconsistent. They are very hit and miss. There are some that are really good because it gave us the Dark Knight. There are some that are really bad. And there are a lot that are in the middle somewhere because... You know, the fact that Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984 happened is like, what, what, what happened? Like, Wonder Woman was good. Y'all, y'all had it figured out. Like, y'all were doing a good thing. And then Wonder Woman 1984 came out. And it was like, what the fuck? Who, what happened? We, I swear we, we jumped to the present at the end of Wonder Woman. And then we went a flashback, 1984. I, you know, I'm with you. I'm confused. I'm very, very much. I'm looking forward to Flashpoint. Oh, I'm so looking forward to Flashpoint. Yeah, it should be good. And I, there's an animated movie, Flashpoint, and I can't wait to review that one. That's one of my favorites. But we're not there yet. So in the next episode, we will be discussing Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. And so until then, salutations. Salutations.